0: Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org. So this is a poem that I fell in love with and that has just stayed with me over time, several weeks. I think I've posted it a few times on our Facebook page and I put it there this morning. um, And I apologize, I really don't like sharing the screen because I need to see your faces (laughs) to feel connected. (laughs) It's really awful, but I have this visual I need. So I'm gonna read it to you. I'll maybe read it again. And you can see this posted on our Facebook page. We could put it in our newsletter. Um, This is a poem by John Rodell, and um, I will begin it by reading to you. I used to think that inner peace would make my heart look like a calm lake. As a matter of fact, I'll read that line again. I used to think that inner peace would make my heart look like a calm lake. I thought being in harmony meant no ripples, no waves, no lapping shores, just still water. It turns out that serenity isn't the absence of movement. In fact, it's quite the opposite. The more peace I feel, the more my heart turns and bubbles like a lake boiling as a ribbon of lava breaks through underneath the water. I don't think we were created out of nothingness to come here just to let our hearts become an unmoving body of cold water covered in standing algae. I think the great love placed a fire in us so that our lives will be a natural spring of swirling hot, healing water that never looks the same way twice. The warm machine thinks it is the only thing that can move and lumber. And that's not simply true. Peace is the most disturbing force in the universe. Peace is the tide that washes away the ancient seaweed of division that builds upon our shores. Peace is anything but still. It's a tsunami that can terraform rock fortresses into open air chapels. My love, I'm starting to realize that the less my heart moves, the heavier it gets. The more dust it collects, the less kindness I feel. But when I let my heart constantly stir like a cotton candy machine, the lighter and sweeter it becomes empathy is an act of chaos. Chaos. It makes the narcissistic scripts we have been given and rewrites them into a handwritten gospel of understanding. Peacefulness is anything but still. It's pure motion. Peace is the ripple that starts in the center of my heart and rushes out through the faucets of my eyes, hands, and tongue out into the world. We aren't here to be stagnant. We are here to make a splash. So I'm gonna read um, a little bit of this poem again. Um, So let's see. Peace is the ripple that starts in the center of my heart and rushes out through the faucets of my eyes, hands and tongue out into the world. We aren't here to be stagnant. We are here to make a splash. Just beautifully written. We can go home now, (laughs) but we are home. All right. So this poem just has stayed in my brain uh, for weeks on end. And um, I've been free associating to it for weeks on end. And I wanted to share some of my thoughts. Um, And in fact, I should confuse you um, by doing so. And uh, if you are confused after this talk, uh, you won't be alone. It's confusing. So um, He says, I used to think that achieving inner peace would make my heart look like a calm lake. I find this comment to be true of how most of us come to meditation, a mindfulness practice or Buddhism. We um, want something from the practice. And we come because we want to let go of something. We, there's something we don't want, and there's something we want. Most of us want more peace, what we think is peace. We want less suffering. Um, we want to experience stillness in the body and calm. Um, maybe we want to behave better or act better. Um, we want better mental or physical health. We want to feel better. But we have a list, you know, we have an agenda. And um, we want no ripples, we want no waves, we want no lapping shores, we want that still water. There's a craving. And when we start to practice, if you're practicing as a Buddhist practitioner, a mindfulness practitioner, just meditation, there's, you begin to see this paradox right away that the practice turns towards uh, the the uh, big waves turns towards the uncomfortableness and the difficulties. We what we actually tell you in a mindfulness practice is that um, to notice the unpleasant and not push it away. To to know with mindfulness when you're hitting an unpleasant terrain as well as a pleasant terrain. And to know what the body sensations are, what your thoughts are, to really look to hear the thought as thought, to to know the emotion as the emotion. We're telling you go right there. Um, We're not telling you it's it's still water necessarily. A couple of weeks ago, I took a, a mindfulness class with Tara Brock. And the topic was Um, deepening the practice of RAIN. And for those of you who have been practicing for a while, you know, RAIN is an acronym for a mindfulness practice in daily life where you recognize what's, you pause. And the R is, I recognize what's happening. And the A is, I allow it to be there. I like to say, I allow and embrace. The I is to investigate. And the end is to nurture, to bring kindness and compassion there. And we broke into small groups and we went through a number of meditations on this. And we talked in small groups and um, there were people from all over the world, which is really the nice part of Zoom, is you get to sit in your little living room with people from everywhere, all walks of life. And um, the comments that people made was, you know, it's really funny. I practice this in everyday life, and um, this is a practice I bring with me, especially when I'm not happy, I'm upset, something's gone wrong. And I thought when I started this practice that I would feel better. I just want to feel better, and I don't feel better after I practice rain, right? And this was a common. Statement: I don't feel better. And what we realized in dialoguing is that we're not practicing rain to feel better. We're practicing rain to be more awake to what's really here uh, and to uh, deepen the capacity for truth and wisdom and to be with what's pleasant and what's unpleasant with equanimity. And so um, I think equanimity is as close to what is inner peace as a definition. Um, That's as close as I can get to that on some level, Um, because we're learning not to push away or reject ourselves or our experience and not to cling right? Not to cling. So um, this, another way of saying equanimity is a neutrality of mind. Uh, Characteristic is an evenness. It's an unshakable balance. And this is really such an important quality to cultivate today um, with a virus where every day is a new story. Um, where we have uh, climate change issues and social injustice issues that aren't going away, that really we need this endurance. And it's it for many of us, it's not time to be in a cave, you know, in a certain way. We need to embrace um, some of the difficulties before us. So this unshakable balance of mind, this evenness, um, in facing what what we like and what we don't like, what is unpleasant and what is pleasant, to be with and sustain. Um, and uh, Joseph Goldstein likes to say, and now I'm gonna come back to this poem, you know, he likes to say that equanimity, that practice, which is um, a practice that requires time, and, and hanging in there, it comes over time, allows for, it holds, when we have equanimity, it holds the other Ramabharas, the other um, factors of joy, love, kindness, um, peace, goodwill. Those can be big, like he talks about in the poem, like cotton candy, you know, or really feeling these um, boundless love, boundless states, comes actually from this balance of mind where we're not um, preferring necessarily. We don't have a preference. And when you experience equanimity, um, you know it. You know it there's a peace and an ease that falls in. I remember um, a while back, I was in a planning meeting with a group of people and I made a couple of suggestions and statements that I thought would go really well with this group. And it had the opposite effect. Like, people did not have my vision. And uh, they didn't see it the way I saw it. And um, there were uh, people upset with what I was proposing. I had no idea that was going to happen. Absolutely no idea that um, I would be responded to in this way. And uh, that was unpleasant. And it felt rejecting you know, I felt rejected. And even this little inner child part of me was really rejected. Uh, Oh, that was an ouch, right? And um, I I had to go along with the plan that I did not agree with. um, That I was just voted out. (laughs) Like a reality show, I was voted off the island, or as we say, But what I loved about that experience was an opportunity to experience uh, equanimity, to feel the peace of the non-preference, that there was a part of me that had been practicing for a while. And even though the meeting didn't go my way and I got some kind of hostility, you know, or anger or just negativity um and uh i didn't win and people didn't pick what i wanted all those things and there was a feeling of ease and peace that even though those conditions didn't happen the ease and peace and calm were really present i was like aha that's equanimity this is kind of a freedom and a piece. Now, I can't say that I would always be able to sustain that. Most likely not. But we get tastes in practice of the fruits of practice. And uh, I want to give you another example of that. Um, I was listening to um, a podcast last night. Um, and, uh, the podcast was, uh, really interesting and they had interviewed a young person who was, um, an environmentalist battling climate change. And he said, and this reminds me of the poem, uh, going back to this poem. And he said, well, I'm young and i'm dedicated to this climate change fight and when i think about the next 30 or 40 years of my life how i'll be battling government and big corporations for little changes just to change the climate by a few degrees it saves a lot of lives you know every time we address global warming and we go in the other direction many many lives are saved he said that battle just to get A change of a couple of degrees, a degree or two will take great effort from all the people in power all globally, these government and corporate gas and oil. And he said, when I think of that, my emotion is so big. There's so much despair, worry, anger, anxiety, big emotion, big emotion, big tidal wave, big tsunami, Big, but big love. And he said, when I think about how I will spend the next 30, 40 years of my life with friends in this fight and struggle with me, who love, who care, who are responsible, who want to help, who are devoted and have the biggest hearts and the biggest strengths, the biggest resilience, my heart fills with joy. It's the best place to be for the next 30 or 40 years and this reminds me of the poem you know i'm not looking for a still water you know i'm looking to be with what is so um i read you a little bit um let me see this is from Joseph Goldstein that I'm reading now on equanimity. The manifestation of equanimity takes us deep into the experience of meditative awareness. The wisdom aspect of equanimity is beautifully expressed in the famous opening lines of, on the faith of mind by the third Zen ancestor. And you've heard this quote before. Uh, The great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. When attachment and aversion are both absent, the way is clear and undisguised. Um, Make the smallest distinction, however, and heaven and earth are set infinitely apart. And he says, practicing the great way, the equanimity of non-preferential awareness Supports the development of awakening. As they become strong, we gain ever deeper insights. Uh, We experience the truth of suffering, the unreliability, and unsatisfying nature of conditioned phenomena. And it goes on. But um, what I want to say is that when we come to our practice, without an idea of what we should be or what our minds should be when we let go of this desire to be that still lake that calm being i know for me i think in my mind i real i've always wanted to be that uh, zen monk that just smiled and was peaceful in every minute and looked like Thich Nhat han or the Buddha sitting there, you know, when we really let go of these illusions of what we think our practice should be, and we dive into um, just what is, we're with what is, what develops is um, something of um, an unfabricated mindfulness. Versus a fabricated mindfulness. So this unfabricated mindfulness um, in the uh, Dzogchen practices, they speak of unfabricated mindfulness. And I really like this wording, which points to uh, an innate wakefulness of the mind's natural state. It's called unfabricated because according to these teachings, this mindfulness is not something we're creating, right? We're not painting a picture of the serene like, or how we should be as a practitioner. I should be calm at all times. I should be happy at all times. I should be mellow. I should be at ease. I should walk around going, oh, you know, like I've done this, <laughs> right? Have you? Um, Rather, it's the capacity of a mirror to reflect what comes before it. That capacity is in the very nature of the mirror itself. So from this perspective, it's not something we need to get or develop, but rather something we need to recognize and come back to. Um, although these and and there's one more line that I want to read. But as our efforts bear fruit, we do experience times of great ease when our practice is to simply let go, relax, and surrender into the natural unfolding. So we let go and surrender. When there's a tidal wave, there's a tidal wave. And when there's a, a, a storm, with thunder and lightning and rocky water there's a storm with thunder and lightning and rocky water you know and when the the waters are crazy they're crazy we're with what is without the story we've dropped the story we've dropped who we should be and what the life should be we're allowing this flow And I'd like to say this flow of I don't know, this flow of I don't know, you know, we're just here. And we're here, um, as Joseph Goldstein has said, with that equanimity comes the boundlessness of love, compassion, caring, and great action compassion that's filled with action and just filled with love. So I will end if you allow me by reading this poem one more time. Does that sound okay? And you can kind of just sit back and be with the poem. And whatever this poem brings up for you, it may bring up something completely different um, for you. So uh, just sit back. And let yourself take it in, and wherever you go with the poem, you go. I used to think that inner peace would make my heart look like a calm lake. I thought being in harmony meant no ripples, no waves, no lapping shores, just still water. It turns out that serenity isn't the absence of movement. In fact, it's quite the opposite. The more peace I feel, the more my heart churns and bubbles. Like a lake boiling, as a ribbon of lava breaks through underneath the water. I don't think we were created out of nothingness to come here just to let our hearts become an unmoving body of cold water covered in standing algae. I think the great love placed a fire in us so that our lives will be a natural spring of swirling, hot, healing water that never looks the same way twice. The war machine thinks it is the only thing that can move and lumber. And that's not simply true. Peace is the most disturbing force in the universe. Peace is the tide that washes away the ancient seaweed of division that builds upon our shores. Peace is anything but still, it's a tsunami that can terraform rock fortresses into open air chapels. My love. I'm starting to realize that the less my heart moves, the heavier it gets, the more dust it collects, the less kindness I feel. But when I let my heart constantly stir stir, like a cotton candy machine, the lighter and sweeter it becomes. Empathy is an act of chaos. It takes the narcissistic scripts we have been given and rewrites them into a handwritten gospel of understanding. Peacefulness is anything but still, it is pure motion. Peace is the ripple that starts in the center of my heart and rushes out through the faucets of my eyes, hands, and tongue, out into the world. We aren't here to be stagnant. We are here to make a splash. So I would love to hear from you. Anything that's on your mind, any questions, any reactions to the poem, uh, anything you would like to share with our uh, beautiful sangha this morning. And don't be shy. You can unmute, raise your hand, unmute or raise your hand in the reactions, whatever you like.
1: Thank you for your talk. Uh, is, it's excellent. Um, I had a thought that uh, serenity is not the absence of movement. It's the absence of attachment and aversion. Uh, leading to a mind that watches thoughts, feelings, and perceptions coming and going. It's awareness uh, versus that attachment that that leads to the the upset. And, uh, you know, then you can be with what is in the present moment.
0: Yes, that's right. And I like to add to that. Thank you, Anthony. I like to add to that. When you are finding yourself attached, because sometimes I'm attached, um, I like to be with the fact that I'm attached. With kindness and curiosity and compassion, because sometimes when you're with the fact that you're attached, the letting go happens, that paradox happens. You know, if I push away the fact that I'm attached, no, I'm not attached because I'm supposed to be a good practitioner, you know, then it stays. But when I turn towards it with that light of awareness, sometimes, just being with it the way it is, it eventually dissolves and not in, not in a second. Sometimes it takes a while of really being with the clinging, you know, it's not something that can go so fast, but sometimes it does. Thank you, Anthony.
2: I appreciate the, um, talk and the subject, especially it's been very, very timely for me. The last six months has been kind of a rough time for me. I've been dealing with some chronic pain issues and, uh, I'm starting to get back to um, where I can use the practice to um, <clears throat> you know it''s, it's to, to help, but I went through MBSR, um a few years ago, and it just hasn't really been enough to help. Um, but um, I am seeing that uh, it's it's helping a little bit, you know, to look at things with um, Equanimity right now. Uh, And, you know, it's just, I guess tuning in today was a good reminder in that way. But um, thanks for um, sharing that. And I really enjoyed the the poem. I'd like to get a copy of it. please. Thanks.
0: It's it's on the Facebook page. So if you go to our Facebook page, it will be right there. Um, And maybe we could put it in the newsletter, too. Yeah. Well, I'm wishing you uh, good health and freedom from pain. Thanks. Who else would like to share?
3: I think I just want to say that I I will reread this, I think, again, because even as you read it the second time, it was helpful, but it's so (laughs) counterintuitive, you know, so I have to kind of process it. Um, It doesn't quite make sense to me yet, but I mean, I get I get the basic premise, but I think I have to process it, reread it and sit with it some more.
0: The second time you read it,
3: no, the first time you read it, I'm like hit with that splash. But the second time you read it, I thought a good splash. What is a good splash? And that, I think, you know, you mentioned that we
0: all have goals we want to achieve. Open heart, loving, a good splash. And that, that sounds just grand to me.
2: Thank you. I just wanted to, to uh, thank you for your talk and, and say I was thinking of the the uh, the uh, Lewis the uh, congressperson, uh, Good good trouble that came to mind when you read it. Good trouble,
0: yes. good trouble. Beautiful. yeah.
2: Beautiful, yeah. Lovely, thank you, uh, yeah. Wendy. Wonder,
4: wonderful poem. Thanks for sharing it.
0: I love that. Good trouble. May we be in good trouble.
5: So, I, 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 thank you again for the talk. Um, it's coincidental because I was um, just reading Tara uh "Radical Compassion," and when you were reading the poem, it was sort of sticking out in my head the the phrase "real, real but true" or "real but not true," um, which has been really kind of sticking with me lately. We're like everything that you are experiencing like you have to kind of allow it it's real because it's real to you but it's not necessarily true and then that kind of what you were saying earlier about being in the not I, i i forget the phrase you used but just the not knowing i think you know the um that really kind of resonated resonated with me this morning um you know kind of allowing these things to be real because it's real to me, but not necessarily truth or the ultimate truth.
0: Yes. Yes. That's a good phrase to remember. Yeah. And this would be a good time just to speak what's on your mind or what's coming up in your practice. Anything like this?
3: Heather.
4: Hi. Um,
3: yeah, thank you for the talk. It felt very timely for me too, like others here. Um, I'm here alone today um, because my, You know, it's um, my husband's father is in the hospital. Uh, He's just gone into the hospital last night. And, you know, we, Steve and I didn't have, you know, plans to travel, you know, this week. And um, and all of a sudden you just start doing that. And, you know, you're just changing what you thought was going to be. And, and yet, like, I guess I feel kind of calm about it. So I, uh, I don't know, you know, I don't, I, I don't know, I guess I feel that makes me feel good. I hope that maybe I can thank my practice for that a little bit, or, or maybe just um, the talk for the recognition that there's you know, so it's not going to be the way I wanted it to be or thought it was going to be. And it's just, we're just going to roll with it how it is. Anyway, so thank
0: you. Thank you. We wish him well. Anyone else like to share with the group? So one of the things that I'd like to do is, because it is the holiday time, let's see if I can find this now. I may not be able to, but let's see. Uh this was a post, but I really love this post about um let's see if I can access it. Um the gifts we'd like to give each other if we could. So this would be something to think about and maybe put in the chat what you would like to give each other if you could. And here are some of the things that was listed in this post I found very charming uh all the time you need to do all the things you want to do so a gift we'd like to give each other is all the time you need to do the things you want to do another one is the apology you deserve but never got we all have a few of those right the ability to talk to animals was another one um A feeling of peace so profound, it makes you a bit sleepy. And I would change that to, a feeling of peace so profound, it makes you awake. Permission to be imperfect. That's a good one. Freedom from fear and a fun pair of socks. So, What are some of the gifts of practice that you would like to give or have? And you could put that in the chat if you like, or you can raise your hand.
1: I don't know if we have enough time or not, uh, but I wrote a a little one page uh, creative writing thing that I think speaks to this issue. I could read it or not.
0: Go ahead, you can read it, yeah.
1: Uh, the only person here that's heard it is Zena. Ah, <laughs> uh,
0: from yesterday. Yeah. From
1: yesterday. Okay. okay, I wrote this thing. I call it Leaf Life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: A maple leaf is blown into the river and is floating on the surface of the water. He's immediately caught in the current and heads downriver. He passes through the countryside but remains focused on the voice in his head, telling him to control his direction and avoid obstacles. He thinks he must learn to master the river. He spins and turns and is bruised by the rocks. He focuses on past injuries so as not to repeat his mistakes. He is fearful or sad, his body feels uncomfortable and he worries what the future will hold. He moves faster or slower as the river dictates and finds the lack of control terrifying. Another maple leaf now lands in the water and begins to float downstream. This leaf is very calm and listens to the melodic sounds of the water and sips the river's life-sustaining moisture. He notices the blue sky above, wisps of clouds overhead, beautiful fish and birds inhabiting the river. And he notices the river is meandering through beautiful countryside. The river picks up speed, and he notices a roller coaster-like exhilarating ride through the rapids. He floats around most rocks, or occasionally bumps into one. He only tries to control what can be controlled. His self-identity is the watcher of whatever thoughts arise in the present moment. He lets go of thoughts of the past, present, and future, and experiences doing with no awareness of a doer. He experiences a calm state of being with no suffering or fear. Which leaf are you? The leaf that identifies with thoughts and suffers, or the leaf that watches thoughts and doesn't suffer? Which leaf am I? Both. I spend most of my time as the calm leaf watching thoughts, my identity, the empty awareness that plays host to thoughts coming from nowhere and returning to nowhere. The thoughts like clouds passing through an empty sky. When I hit a rock along my journey and feel threatened or receive a compliment and feel flattered, I zoom into the thought in my head and they become my entire reality. Aversion and attachment hook me and now the thoughts have energy and become a train of associated thoughts. I notice how the thoughts cause sensation in my body and fear or sadness or pride. If hooked long enough, I begin to focus on the past, worry about the future and experience a sustained mood. I'm again the leaf attached to the internal dialogue of thought, fighting the powerful world and suffering at my lack of control. Meditating regularly, or using a koan, mantra, or sensations in the body helps keep thoughts from sticking or helps me let go sooner. Then there's the knowing smile at the awareness that I let thoughts hook me once again and I return to being the calm leaf, watching fleeting thoughts float by in the empty sky of awareness.
0: Thank you. So, Linda said her gift is a peaceful heart. <laughs> Joe says he speaks to animals all the time, <laughs> as we do. So, um, so I think we'll end with Meta dedicating the merit. And um, Casey, would you like to?
4: Ah, uh, sure. Yes, yeah, sure. great. Yeah, so just maybe reflecting on any of the,
6: the goodness that you connected with
4: today. Many of those beautiful poems that were shared, Anthony's
6: poems, her poem and Wendy's poem. Maybe some stillness or peacefulness in... Meditation time.
4: Wendy's talk. connecting with how nice it is just to be able to connect
6: with others, sitting in stillness,
4: having the time and motivation to be together. And then we also brought up taking care of beings that
6: are less fortunate than we are, how to assist
4: them, giving like food, supplies. So connecting our in our heart of hearts with them and to all beings that are searching for inner freedom like we are, Just wishing with the greatest sincerity that all beings
6: everywhere without that exception.
4: May they all be able to receive the benefits of the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha. May they all awaken to their own to nature. Maybe just tuning in to that aspiration,
6: uh, the feeling tone of it, the love and kindness. Let's see how that transcends
4: space and time. May all beings everywhere with that exception. May they all be happy, truly happy. And free from suffering.
0: Thank you, everyone. Have a great day. And maybe we'll see some of you on New Year's Day person and uh, certainly on Zoom. <laughs> everyone.
6: Good to see you all and be with you all.
0: Be well.
6: well.
3: You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information,
0: please visit us at InsightLA.com.